next and last stop is Atlantic Avenue Barclays Center. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. lot of Nets podcasts. I mean, Oof. the only Net fans you know, the only what, the only Nets fans you know, at least they've got some self-aware. I mean, come on, Look man. Where are these guys? Welcome back to Only Net Fans You Know podcast. I'm Peter. I have a great guest lined up. You've heard him probably talking for hours upon hours in spaces. The first recurring guest of Net Fans You Know. Welcome to the show, Cash. What's going on, brother? What's up? <laughs> yeah, this is an honor to be the first recurring guest. I mean, this is amazing. This is like, uh, I feel honored. This is great. <laughs> this is a terrible, this is a terrible, terrible honor you've bestowed upon me. What a horrible curse to have to speak about this team. <laughs> oh, God. The problem is really... You notice the difference when you have a bottom 15, bottom 10, bottom five, worst coach in the league, <laughs> which we have. And the main issue here that I keep coming across, I keep stumbling upon, is how can you make any assertion, any educated guess about what you have when the application of everything you have is wrong? When, when all the experiments you're running are fundamentally against what the actual team should be doing, um, the acquisitions that we made, it's a no-brainer. There's, there's no reason to have changed from a, a switch to a drop unless you were trying to do something to either control or, 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 or impinge Claxton's value. I know we'll, we've kind of gotten into that discussion as well, them trying to control the values of young players that they may have to bid on in free agency. Cam Thomas coming down the line, Claxton this year. And so it doesn't make sense that you would take the single best switch defender in basketball and put him in a scheme that doesn't work for him. After you get him accompaniment, that should help him in that regard. So... Nothing really makes sense to me. It seems like we're an organization where the left hand isn't talking to the right, where it just it feels like something is terribly wrong. Something is we stink and it stinks bad. Like it stinks bad. Um the the pro the, 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 the only solution I can really see right now is um, just a, a, a reset. I think if we're not being told what Sean Marks's contract currently is, then I think it's safe to assume that there isn't one. And I don't know that firsthand. What I do know is that there was an announcement that it happened and then a retraction. And when there's a retraction, that means someone got something wrong. So they had to get it right the second time. When you report something and you get it wrong and you print a retraction, the second time has to be right. 
No fooling around. So to me, he doesn't have any guarantees. And who's to say that Joe Sy let him have the offseason. Now he's unhappy. He's going to let him acquire as many draft picks, stock the cupboard as much as possible. And then in the offseason, choose somebody else to have this job, to, to, to lead this rebuild, to lead this charge. It, the only opinion that matters right now is how much culpability does Joe Sy levy against Sean Marks? If he doesn't levy Sean Marks that blame, the mistakes he made, the hardened trade, the overextension of the of the league, not trading Dinwiddie even though he was hurt in the deal for Harden, instead trading Jared, the Ben Simmons, the, all the things you can blame on him. If Sy can see past, looks past those, and just sees it as, well, Kyrie and Harden did what they did and everything was fine before they put their hands on it. They pushed him to trade for Harden. They pushed him to overextend, right? He felt the pressure from them to win now, but his excuses, everything was fine before y'all got here. So he has that golden goose of an excuse that I think Joe Sy still might believe in. Whether or not it's true or not, whether or not the guy can draft, he sure as hell cannot pick a coach. All of that taken into account is, is I, as a fan and someone that you know covers the team regularly, I mean, the only person I want to hear from are Sean and Joe. And neither of them talk to the media, so what are we to do? Yeah, man, you just you covered so many points. So I'm gonna I'm gonna jump around a little bit with that. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I just went full brain. <laughs> I see you labeled this conspiracy theories and don't get I got a I got one I got one in the chamber for you. I got a good one. That's a real a real tin hat one. <laughs> so I'm I'm gonna rewind this all the way to the beginning, okay? All the way to the beginning of the beginning of the year. We're gonna go all the way back. I believe that this was this was kind of planned. I don't think they thought they were gonna be a bottom 10 team, but I do believe that Josiah put millions of millions of dollars into the team, paying three coaches. And he says, Listen, we're not gonna it hurts us as a basketball franchise if we go into the apron, the tax apron. And if we're not going to win, why am I going to be paying all this money? And I think a lot of people forget that. And I think that's where there's a lot more, uh, I'm going to say this, a lot more leverage and maybe a lot more breathing room for Sean Marks than we actually see because we're seeing all these horrible losses. And I'm sure that eats away at that breathing room a little bit. But when it comes down to it, this was part of the plan. This was never supposed to be a championship year. This was not supposed to be a bottom 10 year. Going into the year, we had an offense built around Ben Simmons. He gets hurt, what, like in less than 10 games in? And then we wind up having Cam Thomas trying to work with an offense that he's not – it's not built for him. You have the best scorer on your team, and your offensive identity is not built around him. And you could say, oh, you know, you didn't expect him to go. And uh, I, I, I get – from what I heard, they were completely surprised. Look, I'm going to say uh, for the people listening – we're only audio only, quote unquote, completely surprised by Cam Thomas's uh, undertaking 
of uh, I don't know of scoring or whatever, and is pushed to get into a starting spot. We we look at that, and it's just a bad spec over here, a bad spec over there, injuries and whatnot. And uh, we knew this offense was going to be sucky from last year. Like, let's be honest, what did they do to change it? Really, not much. They really didn't. And it's just we came we came into this year hoping for the best, and everything was bet on Ben Simmons. And you're dead on. So, again, the Ben Simmons part, a great reminder, you just to play him after five months of back surgery, then again after about 13, 14 months when they knew he needed an 18-month recovery period is just malpractice. I don't know. I would never play for an organization that put me at risk. Bro, like that was 7-Eleven. You know that. So we know that. That being said, but even no, no. But even that—that that was that was after Seven Eleven was gone. That was recently when he when his back injury when he needed the second epidural. He came back. They said three on three, four on four, five on five. Playing was was middling, was still struggling going to the rim, but was clearly an engine of some sort for our offense. We were still seeing cl- cl- collision with him and Claxton. We had a lot of conversations about who, which which we needed to keep, whatever. But just to play him after five months was a total malpractice. That was for 7-Eleven, that's for sure. But then he wasn't even recovered by the time the next season came around. He still needed more time, and they played him again too soon, which is why he's now needed the most re- – I think why he needed the most recent epidural. But to put your all of your faith that he was the number one option is is <sighs> – I, is really really tough for me to believe in as a as a number one factor for an organization that's especially in the situation that they were in coming out of the big three, and also it's it's it, it's I feel like it's asset mismanagement. Do they have another uh, option than Ben Simmons? Because think about it this way: they knew they didn't want to go into the apron, so you're not going to spend on another player, right? So what other option do you have? I'm not saying it's right. Obviously, that was a, a total uh, risk, high risk, high reward sort of thing. But what other option do you think they could have had? I think by getting yourself into a position like that, you've already shown as a GM that you have made a poor decision. I think if you back in any situation where a GM backs himself into a corner and they say, well, what else are we going to do? Um, that's quite the opposite of the description of your job is to really, it's about maintaining the maximum proficiency and pivotability and the breathing room of your franchise until a winning situation comes along, not coming out of a winning situation and taking on more, more, more problems, uh, more issues than, than, than even you have the ability to deal with, um, Hopefully that's part of what answers your question. The other part um, about what you were saying earlier, the um, the the plan of Ben Simmons bringing him in, the expectations behind the season. Now, I don't think anybody expected us to be as good as when we were 13 and 10, and a couple of those 10 losses were really games we could have gotten back. This has really shown that <laughs> this stretch of games – has really shown, really starting from after the Phoenix game, the Lonnie Walker DSJ injuries, 
told were very as about as deflating as any injuries that we've experienced throughout the year, including Ben. The perplexity beyond that was ever every injury, every backtrack that we experienced, the rotations got smaller and less guys would play and more veterans would play more minutes. And I understand that that's a sentiment that many coaches hold, but it is categorically wrong. It is, it is shown to be effectually and analytically wrong. You want to open up minutes. You want to give guys more run. You're a lot harder to guard and to scheme for when you're playing a guy, two guys, three guys, that the other team doesn't have much tape on. When teams don't get to practice every day like they do it, like, like in the NBA where they can't because of travel and time and rest, what do they do? They do tape. It's the next best thing. If there's no tape on Watford, there's no tape on Jalen Wilson. There's no tape on really there. I mean, why weren't these guys playing? <laughs> is 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 perplexing. So those guys really could have levied us, and also then we could have taken them into the trade deadline, and really have capitalized on, you know, making these really interesting combo trade packages. You know, like a. A Claxton plus Lonnie Walker plus Royce. Like that changes a Golden State Warrior season immediately. That package. And what does it cost them? Kuminga? Moody? They, they get to keep the championship window open that much longer. This is all just like, this is all it's rhetoric. Yeah, yeah. But it's more about keeping the product entertaining competitive and we've lost the rails on that <laughs> and i feel bad almost for sean marks because i do think he had a very positive offseason considering what the ram what he was supposed to do can't go over the luxury tax we're in a two-year window no repeaters you have to and you have to take on ben's contract as much as he plays he plays if he doesn't he doesn't but you're looking at 40 million down the line and 38 this year so be as creative as you possibly can, but you're not going to be able to field a winner or a top-tier team like that. And he still, for the first 23 games of the season, put a top-five team on the floor. It's even to the discredit of Jock Vaughn. So if I'm Sean Marks, I'm pissed. I think, I'm, I, I, I think that I was pushed into a decision to give Jock Vaughn an extension. I do not think, I don't think it was. If Sean said yes, it's because he didn't have a contract and it was at the behest of Joe. I don't know how you, how you feel about this, Pete, on where the organization falls in terms of, all right, Joe size making his ruling and that's it. And now he's listening to Sean. And now we don't know who he's listening to. Is it Clara? Is it like, we have no clue who's giving him, good or bad information and and i think that that's generally been joe's problem hmm. i have a theory with the with the jock bond contract okay this was kind of like a hat tip to him saying you know what we want to give you an actual chance because if these players know that you're not going to be here next year they're not going to respect him that's i believe that's why he got he got that extension or at least partly uh was it a mistake i think obviously i think so uh, I, I don't know if it had to be as long. I think it's what three years. I don't think it had to be that long, 
but they wanted to show commitment into, into the coach because he's been there as an assistant for like, pretty much babysitting Steve Nash, babysitting Kenny Atkinson, right? It, it was kind of a his time to kind of get the a little shine, quote unquote. They started super hot, if you remember, well when he when he got the job last year, and it just it was a very feel good type of moment. Uh, it doesn't seem like he's still the same coach from last year, and I I don't know if it's that per se. I think it has to do more with the, like the strategy and the scheme. The timeouts seem to be a little weaker this year. I don't know how you feel about that. I definitely see a little bit of a difference. I, I don't think that's anything that the front office would ever, you know, get into per se. The scheme, I do believe the front office gets into very, 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 very deep. And uh, it's it's just very interesting that they wouldn't at least try to change the scheme of this team. Well, why do you think they, they don't adapt? Like, is there a way to adapt? Were they that deep into Ben Simmons? that now they can't, they, there's no way to fix this? Like, I don't get it. It's, it, well, let me answer your question with what they actually did. Despite getting guys that fit directly into what is what would obviously be a switching scheme, they got the perfect guys for Ime Udoka to play a switching scheme, and then they decided to change the scheme. So if that tells you anything... They will go with numbers to a point to when it's convenient and then pivot. Jacques Vaughn even said himself, you know, the 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 above the break threes, like the whole theory behind that. I want to put my arms around the analytics and hu- and hug it as close as possible. What didn't he say that? He said to, to, to the effect. And you know, it doesn't make much sense. Again, I pointed this out before when you're your goal is to shoot as many threes as possible and you're allowing as many threes as possible anywhere on the court, anywhere on the court, allowing threes is, is an impermissible thing, (laughs) but that's part of your offense or part of your defensive scheme. Part of the splits you're trying to make. We hit all the threes you struggle, but you have to apply perimeter defensive pressure. You can't have a scheme where you're constantly going under on everybody because you're daring them to take above the break threes. Guys are too good of scorers, too good of shooters now. They will step into jump shots all day long. They don't need to get to the corner anymore to kill you. And the inability for them to see that, that you actually want to cut off the very resource to the other team that you're using to win goes beyond all understanding. It's, 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 it, it is complete nonsensical, backwards, uneducated, unanalytical thinking. So they're trapped behind this um, wanting to be the smartest guy in the room mentality <laughs> and actually just playing sound basketball and good in, in 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 good spirit and 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 it's just it they don't the, this team funny enough because there's so many good natural athletes and guys that I think have been in winning situations before I don't think this team actually needs that much coaching I think there's a lot of good players that are smart that are sound even though we don't have a cre- a real great creative piece 
DFS is a hell of a player. Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges went to a finals together. Nick Claxton is developing as, as a big and still valuable. We have Royce O'Neal as a veteran. We have Cam Thomas developing, like who who is an an a nuclear level scorer. Going down the bench, Lonnie Walker, DJ, all capable players. So why do we look so incapable? Incapable of scoring a hundred points recently, incapable of stopping other teams from hitting threes on us, incapable. Why do we look so incapable? Because we're not being put in positions to scheme and to succeed. Exactly. There you go. And playing guys out of position, out of value. I think we have an issue. With, with Bridget, it's very interesting that he takes so many pull-up shots. And his pull-up numbers, his pull-up jumper numbers are, like, atrocious. I was talking with C.J. Holmes. He's a Daily News beat writer. Uh, he joined us on Fireside Nets, and we were, you know, we were talking a little bit. And he's doing that because he's getting to a spot. But the thing is, what's the point of getting to your spot if you're going to be one? We know everybody knows he's the number one option. The whole defense is going to be watching him. So even if you get to your spot, you're probably going to have somebody already there. Your shots are not going to be quality shots. I would rather see him play off the ball, but we don't have a true point guard right now. And I'm a big Spencer Dinwiddie guy. You know that, so you know it pains me to say it, but it's just it's not the, the vibe is not there with him. But uh, he's checked out, obviously. Yeah, he was promised. You know? He was promised things, and they were not. Yeah. But, oh, you heard that too. <laughs> yeah. I've been holding that. I didn't want to say that. I've been holding that. Yeah, he was promised things, and they were not delivered. Months ago, and I then, heard. And then they and then they let it linger, and this is just another situation where we got another guy. Leaving our leaving our our ranks with not good things to say about us about us not doing business right the right way, especially Sean I Marks mean, in particular. I heard a lot of people are mad at Sean Marks right now in that locker room. A couple people, yeah, yeah, more more than a couple, more than a couple. I think also too, um, you mentioned this earlier, but Mikhail and Cam playing the same position. Let's also draw up. And I really encourage people to look at the depth of their scoring and where they score and where they don't. Cam and Mikhail are notorious off-the-ball scorers. They need to be moving. They need to be jiving. They need to be cutting. They need to be breaking. They need to be bouncing. All They need to be playing above, at the rim. And because we don't have that sort of creative centerpiece – we really struggle getting both of them shots that are two dribbles or less. And if you look, those are the shots that they've made their entire careers off of. One, two, pull up, bang. One That's dribble, bang. One dribble, relocation, bang. That's all their career has been. They're not ball on the floor, ISO, let me get to the basket, guys. They're just they're not like that. But yet, what are we doing? Over 60%, I think, of our offense is isolation. And we're averaging, we don't have a single guy on the team averaging a point. One point per drive. Not one. Yo, that's in, in a league where guys score at will. Why can't we? <laughs> Why can't we do it? Because we don't run anything creative. We don't run anything bounce like, and and this is my this is really my concern. 
is that because we haven't handled the Jacques Vaughn situation, because we're so short-sighted, short-minded about letting our big shoot, Claxton, uh, Dayron, I don't believe that – why would Claxton want to resign with us? Why? Why not go to a team like Oklahoma City? Yes, we can offer him whatever. I mean, but we can only offer him cheddar open up to a certain point. Right? What's I think our magic number is 22. Well, after that, he's I think, I think we're over the board. A little bit more. I think a little bit more. I'm so not sure. 23, like... 25, something. Tw- I I by me personally, I capped out at 22. I'm not there anymore. I'm like, you you twist my arm at 18, and that's where as far as I go. I I mean, if he would take less, I would give him less personally. But bro, he might get a max. I'm telling you, there's gonna be a team that might over him the max. And if they do, then then what? Like, why would he ever resign with us? Why would he want to continue to be with an organization that he saw what he saw? Where well, where is his value right now? I heard Jay from BK says he expects him to be traded, and I was I, I've been kind of flip flopping. I thought they would resign him early in the year. Then after the injury, I was like, I don't know, and I just switched back into into them keeping him. Because of Scotto, but then I don't know. I, I really don't they know. They couldn't resign him at the beginning of the year because of his contract, not because they oh, didn't no, want to. I'm talking to. about um, um, me. Like I, I thought, I thought that they were gonna keep him. That's what I mean. Oh, there you, you were. The, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. I thought. I mean, he was keep until really I saw the emergence of Dayron, and I looked at the end of his contract, and I and I basically I I switched up probably. Uh, uh, right about after he came back out of the boot. But I was always sort of last season, I was very much into entertaining a trade for Claxton, especially like to a contender. Um, but Dayron wasn't Dayron at the time. Um, this Dayron is very different. Uh, hopefully if we get him back, that, that changes um, that changes the situation. I know Jay expects him to be traded. Um, again, if you let a guy walk... If you have an opportunity to trade a guy that has any value whatsoever and you let him walk for nothing, thinking you can re-sign him in free agency and you don't get anything for him and then you're unable to sign him in free agency, you as a GM need to lose your job. Now we're putting ourselves in Sean Marks' booth. So now from what you just said... He, you would have been extremely pissed at him if Harden would have stayed with the Nets. Let's say they get eliminated in, in the conference finals or whatever, and he goes to Philadelphia. Obviously, you would have not known that Ben Simmons would have been hurt and, and all that, but it just kind of kind of gives an extra perspective on it. I guess I never really got into that perspective because we always knew that Harden was – once we knew – um that there was tension that Harden was going to bail on us. We knew that. And, and I totally agree with you. Like letting Harden, like, again, you couldn't let Harden walk for nothing. Same thing. But what you didn't have to do was force him into where he wanted to go with the Sixers. You could have taken a different size package or you didn't have to take Seth Curry and Andre Drummond. You could have easily turned uh, Ben Simmons into more picks. And then the more picks that we took from them, 
we were able, we would be able to now swing out the window. And also, we had an opportunity to trade Ben Simmons on draft night. We had an opportunity to swing him out the door. Tell me about that. I didn't know didn't. about that. Tell me. Fill me in. Educate me. Well, you didn't know. So there's this is how Sacramento and Indiana clicked to do the Sabonis trade. That's how they hooked up. Uh, the Kings had called for Ben. The Pacers called for Ben. A couple teams called for Ben. They were just testing the waters, but it was a different time. And we didn't, I, I, he, uh, he had opportunities. I think Donovan Mitchell was one of them. Well, before he left for Cleveland, I think Utah, Utah called. That I knew about um, that. Yeah. But, but again, this is a whole universe ago where before Danny Ainge, before, you know, or, or during Ainge on the breakdown, this is before they even really, I think they knew they had what they had with marketing. So this is a deal that could have evolved into, like he said, like if he, if Sean Marks has the perspective of, okay, we're coming out of the big three, what do we really need to do? I need to get the room filled with as the best 25-year-olds and younger I can possibly get. Anybody who's low on anybody, I need to go get. Colin Sexton, the Lori Markinen, any, like, there we go. <laughs> like all those guys, that should have been, his acquisition focus, whatever he could possibly do, Kobe White, <laughs> bro. It's so hard Man. though because you still have Katie and Kyrie. Like, what? What are you gonna go? You're gonna face them and be like, "I got you a Kobe White." Like, you think they would have been happy about that though? You got. I think what you, know? you do there is you you turn to Katie and you say, "Hey, listen, the the guy we just traded all our picks for just walked out on us." Who you co-signed, by the way. Katie you co-signed that. like that's your boy. Like, I'm sorry, like the way KD handled when Kate the way KD handled that, I'm sorry. He doesn't get to shirk responsibility. When you vouch for someone and they do you someone, the person you got the job dirty, that person gets mad at you. Like, hey, well, I, I didn't know they were gonna do it. No, you did. That's what well, the Euros are the reason that person came into the first place. Mm -hmm. And he destabilized us and he killed us. Way more than I will ever say Kyrie did. Ever. Absolutely. Ever. Kyrie never took our picks. Kyrie never Kyrie showed up in the playoffs. Kyrie was played as his ass off whenever he got a chance to. Was he a weirdo? Did he believe in dumb shit? Sure. Fine. Lots of rich people are weird and believe in dumb shit. But this is about basketball. Winning basketball. And at the end of the day, Harden broke the rules. <laughs> he broke the law. He broke the basketball code of 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 men, women, competitors. He broke it, and that's why I don't think he'll ever win. So I I have to get to this topic. Okay, our savior is coming, Dejounte Murray. He's coming. It's gonna happen. I don't know how or when, but uh, obviously, you know, Dinwiddie would be going to Atlanta. I did a mock trade that I thought was pretty realistic. At Dorian Finney-Smith going to the Thunder, we get picks. We use those picks going to uh, going to Atlanta, and uh, obviously the Dinwiddie contract would make up for Murray. I don't know. I, I it seems too good. Bob uh, Bob Sacramento, Sam Bob. Shout we have been saying the identical thing the whole off season. 
Use Royce Spencer, DFS, anyone you want to take to get more picks. Picks, live body, whatever you want to say. Guys that will turn into picks, I don't care. Then use those picks. Let me, let me give you an example. Oklahoma City has so many picks. So when you have so many, now what you're talking about is you are a shopping center of picks. Maybe I don't, maybe I want a first round pick, but I don't need an unprotected, but I want a top 15. I want a mid level. Like that's a good Ooh. enough first round pick. These picks now are going to be weighed against each other and value pick power is a new measurement of a new statistic. The Nets are third in the NBA in pick power, only mm. behind Oklahoma City and Utah. That's it. <laughs> mm. um, so it my belief important. is you're dead on. I would do that deal in a second, trade DFS, get two picks back, one, uh, one uh, protected to a 10, one protected to a 25, give them the Sixers pick. Give them the 25 pick from wherever we trade DFS to. Dinwiddie, get DeJounte here. He's 25, 26. He fits perfectly with Mikhail and Cam. He's going to be creative enough. He needs the ball in his hands a little more, but he's way faster, way better of a decision maker than Dinwiddie. He is way better driving proficiency around the rim. He gets two feet in the paint, 60% rate of feet in the paint. On a drive. Same as De'Aaron Fox. Or sorry, mm. no. Oh, I think like 51.4%. It's the same as De'Aaron Fox. You're trading for a guy that gets in the lane and either scores, assists, or gets fouled at like an 81% rate. You're not getting a turnover. You're not getting a fuck up. You're just you're getting a good basketball player. And we haven't had a competent point guard in so long like it's so bad like Harden came in and it was like watching it was like watching a dude do magic in front of me like I was a three-year-old I was like oh he's passing the ball all over the place like how <laughs> so I'm a huge huge proponent in getting the DeJounte Murray deal done we've heard conflicting reports Nets are uh are unsure if they're going to be buyers or sellers What's your take? What do you think? I think we're selling. I think we're selling to either accumulate picks, like hopefully, like like we were talking about earlier, stock the cupboard so we can protect those picks. Because those Phoenix picks are the picks we want to pick. Or at least want to let come down the line so they can become higher in value. Do you think the 25 Phoenix pick, which is just next year, is that valuable? I kind of don't see it being that valuable. Everyone's like, oh, we got a whole lot of Phoenix picks. Which I agree with with the later ones, but at least with Phoenix 25, there's no value in it. KD's going to be still, in, you know, still kicking it, you know? I think it's overvalued. The 25 pick might be overvalued. That's fair to say. I don't want to. I don't, I don't think it's never know, right? It's well, it's not worth a knockdown. It's not a knockdown drag out argument. It's it's basically on perception. It's like, you know. KD does have the cat, you know, the month long, uh, you know, hamstring, whatever knee bump injury that he always goes through. Mm. Devin Booker is, you know, Ken Hammond Hall, and we know Beal is inconsistent. So anytime where, you know, there's a team with uncertainty, I mean, look at Houston. 
Houston is very happy to have controlled our picks when we had Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. They were more than happy to take those picks, right? Mm -hmm. Because they saw the writing on the wall. Yeah. And sometimes I think there is some writing on the wall, I think, for Phoenix. But um, I do agree that if if I was going to move any of the Phoenix picks, probably 2025, only because we have three picks in that draft. And that might be another competitive Phoenix team, like you said. So we're going to start wrapping it up. So we had so many more topics to get into. But you know what this means, bro? It means you got to come back again. Three, so. <laughs> Big three. <laughs> uh, I got two more questions. What is your favorite Nets jersey? I believe you answered that already next time. So I'm going to move it up now. What is your favorite Nets court? Oh, um, okay. Damn, you, you, you look pressured. You're right. <laughs> well, I'm in between. I'm in between because I love. Do you remember the old parquet in? I want to say Continental Airlines Arena. Mm -hmm. Like, there's something about that dirty ass Continental Airlines floor. I just something about it. I just I love with the old silly silver net symbol i mean i really thought i really i really wish that the team would play silver back into the i think so we miss silver was such a clutch color for us that nobody else really like the san antonio spurs they got silver kind of ish but like nobody's messing with silver like that glittery plat like the twinkle that used to be in our jerseys I miss that. I think that I want to kind of bring that back to the court. If I had to pick another one, the Basquiat court is probably my favorite new court. Yeah, what about the feels... Biggie court? I kind of like the Biggie court a lot. I think I like the Biggie court more. Oh, the Kuji court? Yeah, way better. Yeah, you're right. Way better. No, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And a better jersey as well, too. Kuji jerseys are better. Why can't they bring that back? I hate the, I hate the cause jersey, bro. I still hate it. They're so bad. It's and, so it, you know, it's bad. So They're coming back next year. Yo, I've tried with the young, the young people in spaces. They love it. They love, they're all about it. They're all about That's They're wrong, you know. <laughs> it's so ugly. I said I went off in a – I went off in a spaces one time where I just went for like 10 minutes just ripping on them. Like they look like a bunch of cut-up yoga mats. It looks I like a bunch of it's you know, it looks like a bunch of the one pink triangle in the corner looks like an old shitty Dorito. Oh, <laughs> like, man. It's like all triangles, like weird oblong tri like what are we doing here, man? All right, I got I got a hot take for you. And uh man, do I have this thing in front of me? I do have it. So I want to bring back Brooklyn Blue Knights. I got myself a Brooklyn Dodgers. <sighs> Thomas jersey. That is fat. Okay, first off, respect. That's a fat jersey. That is, that is solid. That's about as that's about as hard as it goes. Mm -hmm. I'm a big history person. I love the Me history too, of the Nets. The T-neck. I love the whole. Here's something that I really wish I want. I want us to bring back. The silver is kind of part of it, but hear me out. Good. There is something about Swamp Dragon. Yeah, that let's go. Fucking, that is like, I want you know what it is? Stop talking. We are. I have to say this. We are a pro Swamp Dragons podcast here at Netfans. You know, 
That's all I got. Go ahead. This is first off that I'm in the right place because I'll tell you why. There is a mentality to, that I have as a Nets fan. There is an attitude that I carried from Jersey to Brooklyn, which is from the swamp to Brooklyn. Like we are, we are the sick folk. Like we're the like we're not Knicks fans. We're not Broadway. Ooh. We're not Broadway. We're not the lights. We're not. We're we are swamp people. All right, you come here. <laughs> yeah, right. You come, but think of the Gowanus people. The Gowanus, like, you know, imagine a dragon coming up out of the Gowanus, looking down. They had the trademark for about five years ago, and they let it go. They cost. It would have cost them nothing. Exactly. I'm so stupid, man. Pro Pro Swamp Dragons podcast. Of course, bro. We ha have to be. Have to be. All right, man. We oh, we're over an hour already, man. Obviously, you're, you're gonna be back soon. I I hate that we just we never get to any of the topics. We just keep on you know chopping it up, but it's all good. Let's get your plugs. Y'all can always hear me over on Hoop Spaces. Um, please, please, if you get an opportunity, download the Watch Playback app. We're gonna start doing post games. We're gonna start doing live games in there. I've been doing them on and off through hoop spaces, but we're going to start doing them regularly. Pete will be there. <laughs> we're going to have Tyler, Pete, every Saint. Saint's going to be there all the time. So but no we're, Brandon, we're cooking it up now. What was that? No Brandon, though. No Brandon. No, definitely Brandon's <laughs> going to stay. <laughs> I had to give I had yeah, to shit no. on him. He's already he's already ruined the Mets season. They haven't thrown one pitch yet. It's not even spring <laughs> training. He's ruined the Mets for me. So there's that. Um, but yeah, you know, follow me there, follow Brooklyn Netcast, follow Hoop Spaces again. Please, I mean, just uh, I love coming here. I would, I would do that, I would do this pot. What's your Twitter handle? Oh, my Twitter handle is at conspiracies and flopaganda with the ampersand in the middle. Um, uh, you can find me at Cash Ransom on uh, on, on Twitter, and uh, you can find me at uh, Brooklyn Netcast pregame spaces two hours before every next game for the rest of the season until it kills me. <laughs> my Twitter at Netfans, you know, check out the YouTube at Netfans, you know. All right, guys, have a great day. Have a great night. Wherever you guys are up to be safe. And uh, let's try, let's try to win a game, Nets fans. Let's go Nets.